The scripture says in Luke chapter 2, verse number 10, one of the most prominent Christmas scriptures in all of our Bible, the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Give God a hand of praise for sending us a Savior, and you can be seated. The Christmas story is the beginning of a new age. It is the beginning of a new time. It is the beginning of a new cycle. It is the beginning of, of, of hope. It is the beginning of opportunity. It is the beginning of the repairing of the breach which took place in the Garden of Eden thousands of years prior. It is the beginning of a shift. It is the beginning of you and I being able to have an opportunity to choose Jesus and to serve Jesus. But it all comes down to the fact that Jesus Christ was born to a virgin. The Bible says that the virgin was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Her name was Mary. But the scripture says that while they were about to be married, that... Uh, uh, Mary was visited by an angel, an angel named Gabriel. And Gabriel came and gave Mary the wonderful news that she was, she was in fact going to be, uh, uh, she was in fact going to conceive by God uh, the only son of God, the only begotten son of God. And she was going to carry him in her womb. She was going to have this baby boy and he was going to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, Emmanuel, God with us. He was going to change everything everything but I want to think about it for just a few minutes from a perspective of how they must have felt and how could this apply for you and me today they were about to be married they were about to experience all the wonders of a good wedding and all the excitement of the dress and the bridesmaids and uh, the, the cake and, and the groomsmen and all the things that go along with being married and a wonderful wedding. All these things were happening and, and somehow or another God chose that timetable, that situation, that era of time to say, okay, pardon the interruption, but I have something bigger than you were asking and thinking. Number one, if you're taking notes, inconvenient does not mean unimportant. Inconvenient does not mean unimportant. There are some things in our life that are inconvenient and you have no choice. You have to deal with them. An example would be a flat tire on a Tuesday morning. A leaking roof in a rainstorm. You have no choice. It's inconvenient, but you have to deal with it. But as Christians... We have the opportunity to pursue what might be inconvenient to others in order to experience something higher than we were asking or thinking before. Inconvenient does not mean unimportant. There was another group around this same, uh, around this same time uh, that whenever Mary had the baby, uh, they were uh, shepherds, they were out tending their flocks by night. They were doing what they needed to do. And all of a sudden, the angel came and spoke to them and said, listen, I want you to go find the baby. You're going to find him laying in a manger, which is actually just a feed trough. You're going to find him laying in a manger, and that's going to be a sign to you. The, the shepherds were busy about their business, yet something else came up that could not have been convenient, 
in the middle of the night while they're tending their sheep, while they're taking care of everything that they needed to take care of, all of a sudden something else came up. Joseph was planning on getting married. He was excited about it. He had already uh, uh, done the whole engagement. We don't know how he did it, but he'd already, he'd already done the proposal. Everything was happening. Yet there was an opportunity, there was a moment when something that was not necessarily convenient came up and Joseph had a choice to make. Jesus coming to the earth couldn't have been convenient. The Bible says that he is and was and is to come. The Bible says in the first chapter of John that nothing was created, that he didn't have a hand in. The Bible says he was there in the beginning. Literally, Jesus was in heaven long before he ever showed himself on earth. It must have been a little bit inconvenient to leave the gold uh, paved streets, the crystal sea, the beautiful river, all the mansions, the throne where his father sits, where he has a throne right next to him. It could have been a little bit inconvenient to leave the glory and the splendor of that place called our reward, to enter into a place riddled with sin, sickness, and disease. It could have been inconvenient. It had to have been inconvenient, yet he still chose to do what was inconvenient because inconvenient in our life does not mean unimportant. When we're living this Christian life, even in the holidays, we have to make sure that we are not missing opportunities because of convenience. We have to make sure we're not missing opportunities because something else is more convenient for us at the time. There is a word in our Bible. It's not used very often anymore. It's called sacrifice. But the reality is, is Jesus gave his life in exchange for your life, which means you are called to lay your life down for his. When we do this, then we begin to see the results that the apostles saw. We begin to see the results that those who followed Jesus in the early ages saw. We begin to see the results that Jesus himself saw. He said, these things and greater shall you do. But everything's not necessarily convenient. We're going to talk this next uh, year a little bit about building margin in your life. Building margin in your life. Now, what I mean, what I mean by that is, is if you are so tight on your time, effort, and energy, and you have no room for anything else, you get to a place where it is you don't have the opportunity to follow what might be inconvenient but might very well be eternal. Give God a big hand of praise. It was inconvenient to have a baby in a barn. It was inconvenient to have a baby in a stable. It was inconvenient. Could you imagine just going on a walking or even if you had the luxury of riding a donkey uh, on a walking or a donkey riding road trip at nine months pregnant? That's a bit inconvenient. But the baby is born and the baby is overlooked by almost everybody around. People are looking for him, but they can't find him. Jesus later talked about that. He said, you who have eyes to see and ears to hear. He said, these are the ones that I'm looking for. You can have Jesus in the room and nobody even know it. We have to get good at number two. We cannot despise small beginnings. 
We cannot despise small beginnings. Zechariah 4.10 You can't despise something that starts low. The Savior of all humanity showed up not with regal tenure, not with a robe and a crown, not with glory and lightning and and, 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 and fireworks like I would have done. He showed up as a baby in a feed trough. We can't look at where we are today and think that's the only thing we're ever going to be. Jesus was overlooked by so many because of his entrance, and your relationship with him is exactly that. It's a relationship. How many of you in here have been married over 20 years? Just wave at me. Do you know some things about your spouse now that you didn't know before you got married? Every lady was like, glory to God. Yes, I do. It's a relationship. It takes time to grow. Your relationship with the Lord is the same thing. Don't ever get discouraged because somebody else seems to be further down the road than you with God. And I'm not the measurer or the judge of that. All I'm telling you is you can't despise a small beginning. Today may be the day where you decide, you know what, I'm going to give my heart back to Jesus. Or maybe for the first time. Today may be the day that you decide, I've never spent an entire year serving God, but I'm going to spend all of 2017 serving God. It starts very, very small, like a snowball. But by the time that snowball rolls from the top of a mountain, now all of a sudden it's large and it cannot be stopped. We have to look at where we're going and not where we are. Write this down if you're taking notes. Your past or your current you does not have to be your future you. Your past or your current you does not have to be your future you. No, you can make some decisions. You can decide to follow God. You can decide to pursue Him. You say, well, you know what? Uh, I, I just, I've, I've never gotten it right. I've always dropped the ball. I've always this. Uh, he died for people that dropped the ball. He rose from the dead for people who missed the mark. He's a friend of sinners. The scripture says very clearly that if we will not, the door will be open. But you've got to get to the place where you stop measuring your future self by your current self and start measuring your future self by the potential that God says in His Bible you can be. And the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can do all things. You can become anything you can pursue God with all you have you can listen the end of 2017 you don't even have to smell like you smell right now the first week in 2017 you don't even have to look like you look right now you say what do you mean it's called just for men you just wash it in and just You don't even have to look. You don't, listen, you don't have to. Your future self, let me tell you what your future self would tell you. If, they, if your future could come and talk to you, if your 10 years from now self could come and talk to you, they'd come to you and they'd say, they'd say I just want to thank you for every decision you made about your health. 
I want to thank you for every time you decided to push back that meal instead of going in again. Your 10-year-old self would do this. Your 10 years from now self would do that. Your 10 year from now self would stop you and say, I want to thank you for praying every day. I want to thank you for loving your wife. Your 60 years from now self would stop you and say, I want to thank you for being kind even when people were not kind to you. Because there's something about a small beginning that has nothing but potential. It always seems appropriate to me because it's, it's just my life. But I remember when, when the Lord told us to come to this town, to this area, and start a church. We didn't know one person in the entire region. Not one. And we came and we, we rented a building and we, we stuck some signs in the ground. Met as many people as we could walking the streets. And then we kicked the doors open and had church. And I looked and there was actually some people there. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I remember thinking, man, God is doing something. And then after a month, we had two people there. (laughs) And I was like, the Lord has doubled. He's given us double for our trouble. Then another month, two months goes by, and and now all of a sudden, literally, we had like, I don't know, six or seven people. It was great. But I remember thinking, God is so moving. I look back now and I think, I can't believe I was so excited about two people. But I think God gives us the grace when we're willing to not despise small beginnings, to overlook something that starts. Let me just tell you about 2017 briefly. And if you can be here, you don't want to miss our, our New Year's Eve service. 2017 is going to be the greatest year of your life in the name of Jesus. If you receive that, give God a hand of praise. It's going to be the most powerful life. Let me just tell you. We're going to do more. We're going to cover more ground. We're going to have more favor. Listen, I got off the phone last night with a pastor friend of mine. He's pastored over 30 years. I said, I said, how's it going? He said, oh, pretty good. You know, God's been so good. Everything's wonderful. We talked for about an hour and a half. He goes, yeah. He said, he said you know, over the years, we just we built this church, and God's been so faithful. And uh, when, when opportunity came up, everything was just, uh, we, we did our best to step into those opportunities and not understanding why and when and, and everything. And now all of a sudden, let me, I, I, don't, I can't give the details because I don't really understand it all, but literally the, the, there are uh, people from other countries that are paying to send their children to their Christian school. They don't even, their the families aren't even Christian. They just, Let me tell you what they say. They say this. They say, we're not Christian, but Christians are obviously the best people on the planet. So we want our children in a Christian environment. The kids come thinking they're going to learn English and arithmetic and everything else. And they meet Christ Jesus, their Lord. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they go back to their country as a missionary and get their whole family saved. And they're doing this all because they were faithful 30 years. A church was faithful 30 years ago. 
Church, I don't know everything that New Heights Church is going to do. All I'm telling you is our future has nothing, will look nothing like our beginning. Our beginning might have been meager. Our beginning might have been small. Our beginning might have been something. But God does the greatest of miracles when only He can get the credit. Somebody give God a big hand of praise. Do something your future self would be pleased with. If you've never served the house of God, you're missing out on the best that New Heights Church has to offer. Our first touch team, that's everybody who serves from the parking to the musicians to uh, those running camera and sound and helping with the kids, which is phenomenal. We'll even teach you how to dance, glory to God. But so many different things come in those type of opportunities. Our first touch team is the best kept secret at this church. If you've never stepped out in faith and said, you know what, I'm not just going to attend church. I'm going to serve the house of God. Now you can look and you're going to be able to see God do doing things but don't sit there and look at where you are now and think that's going to be some kind of a restriction on what God's going to do with you despise not small beginnings how are you going to do it number three you're going to believe the impossible you're going to believe when you get bad news you're going to believe the bible somebody say amen when you get good news, you're going to thank God for it. I was driving down the road yesterday morning. Uh, I was driving down this one particular road, and all of a sudden this thought came in my head. And sometimes the Lord will speak to you, and you'll just think it's a thought. This thought came in my head. It said, now you slow down when you come to this curve. And I thought, bro, I can drive. That's what I'm thinking. I come around the curve having slowed down, and I looked, and no more than 10 seconds before that, there was a truck flipped over on its side and another one on its nose in the ditch, and they were pulling them out of the car at that moment. If that little voice, if that little thought that the Lord just injected in me hadn't done something, this service might have looked a little bit different. We might have just had to keep the kids going with Felice Navidad. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. In that instant, before I even got to the scene, I came around the corner and I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. This could have been so different. I'm trying to go to town and buy a couple of last-minute Christmas presents and I could be trying to figure out which hospital I want them to send me to. This could be so different. I'm trying to go to the mall with all the other crazies out there and I could be trying to figure out where to tell the wrecker to tow my wrecked truck. But because of you and the power of your spirit, you were able to tell me about something and now it's just Friday all because God can do the impossible in your life he can give you a quickening about a business deal. He, you can walk into a store and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit say, get out of there. And you can turn around and walk out and not even know somebody's going to walk in there and do something crazy in front of your kids that you don't have to explain because the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost. You can be sitting there having dinner and all of a sudden the Lord say, get the check and get out. And all of a sudden you get up and get out and then you can read about that restaurant on the news the next day. But the Holy Spirit can do things, can say things. He will tell you the things. He brings impossibilities into our reality. 
You can be sitting there and the Holy Spirit can say to you, I know you want to give them $10, but give them a $20 tip. And all of a sudden you leave it there and they run you down in the parking lot, hug your neck and say, I was going to buy my baby a little doll for Christmas, but I only had $9 and I needed $12. The Holy Spirit can make impossible things happen for you. And when you really live for God, He makes impossible things happen through you for others. You're going to believe the impossible. You're going to press towards the mark. You're not, impossibility is never going to come on your radar. You're going to, listen, you come to this church, you're going to be so filled with faith, the devil's just going to get tired of knocking on your door. Something's going to shift in your life. Something's going to change. Impossible. The angel of the Bible says, Gabriel came. And he's talking to Mary. And he says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have the baby. And you're going to name him Jesus. It's going to be wonderful. And Mary said, how's that going to happen? He said, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the, and, the, and the glory of the Most High is going to overshadow you. He said, but here's the reality of it. With God, nothing is impossible. With your God, nothing is impossible. Everybody close your eyes for just a second. Picture that person you know that's far from God. Nothing is impossible. He can bring them back in an instant. He can speak to them in a dream. An angel of God can visit them. The right person can have a conversation with them at a restaurant or the water cooler. Uh, I'm out shopping the other day and this guy comes up to me and I did what I always do. I said, hey man, what church you go to? He said, oh, I, you know, I'll go to such and such or I don't go, I don't remember what he said. I said, hey, I said, here, won't you come visit my church? He said, boom, I hand him the card. He goes, man, everything does happen for a reason. Now, I'm not fixing to break his theology right there on the spot in the furniture store. But nothing is impossible. You have a child that says, man, you know what? I'd like to go to Stanford. Don't you ever say that they can't do that because everything is possible. I'm going to be the next president of the United States. You probably will, baby. I think I want to do it. You probably will. Your wife walks in and says, man, I really want to go on a mission trip in 2017. I, I have this feeling on the inside of me. Would you ever say we can't afford it? I, I was meant to come up here and just give a Christmas message. Don't you ever say we can't afford it? Either your God owns the cattle on a thousand hills on a cattle on a thousand hills or he doesn't. Either he supplies your needs according to his riches and glory or he doesn't. But the minute you start arguing this word is the minute that faith walks out the door and doubt walks in. Nothing is impossible. Oh, my time has passed. I've already done this. I've already done that. Or, you know, I just, I can't do this anymore. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are correct. I'm too young. Oh, really? Because Samuel was given to God at a young age. David killed Goliath when he was just a boy. I'm too handsome. Oh, sorry, that's why that's me. <laughs> I'm just laying my heart bare up here, baby. No, with God, all things are possible. We're not going to let inconvenient things stop us from experiencing God. We're not going to despise small beginnings. I was talking to another guy the other day. Bass Pro Shops. You ever heard of Bass Pro Shops? That was started by one man. 
Now each store, no, excuse me, now they do like $5 billion a year, and it's still family-owned. How many of you, it wouldn't bother you if you had to figure out what to do with $5 billion a year? Just wave at me. How many of you, your Christmas might look a, a tick different? <laughs> if I was dealing with $5 billion a year, let me just tell you some of the things I would do. Number one, I would have my every, every tree in my yard would be decorated professionally as a Christmas tree. And my children, as well as lots and lots of others, would come to our house and there would be presents that would fill up the entire yard and I would ask my children to help me go buy them for children who can't afford them. And I would say, just tell them to pick it out. Because if you've never given somebody something and really told them, listen, no strings attached. I don't want you to even think about this. This is a blessing. This is a gift. If you've never experienced that level of giving, you still have time this year. Find somebody. It doesn't have to be much. It could be something that you make. It doesn't have to cost you a dollar. But whenever you truly give... That's when you look the most like God because that's what He does. So in your life, we're not going to despise small beginnings and we're going to believe the impossible. Number four and last thing. We're going to make room for God. I know it sounds simple, but if you just think about it, Mary and Joseph took Jesus everywhere they went. We got to make room for God. It, it's like luggage. If, you, if you're going on a trip and you, you pack your bag, especially if you're going to be gone for a while, you pack your bag, you get everything you can in there. You're like, you know, hey, baby, can you stand on this while I zip it up? You zip it up. And then you look and you forgot the one thing that you really wanted to take. You've got two options. You can either leave it or you're going to have to rearrange or maybe even remove some things. Don't miss the series we're going to start in January when it comes to how we're going to position, organize, and get things in order through sacrifice. There's some things, listen, you've got to pack first. Your, your, your Christian life, your relationship with Jesus this is going to become your first priority. This is not going to become the thing that you used to think about. And, and, and oh, it's 11.59 and I'm about to fall asleep. I need to make sure and pray. No, you're going you're gonna to pack Jesus first. You're going to make room for God first. You're going to make sure that everybody that you have uh, influence in their life has heard the gospel. Some of you are going to do it by actually telling them your story. Some of you, it's as simple as inviting them to church. We have cards out in the lobby. You can just grab as many as you want, and they make it so easy to invite somebody to church. You just put your hands up, man, you should come to our church. Our preacher is amazing. Whoa. No, you're going to make room for God in every situation, in every circumstance. In every area, you're going to find a way to make room. You're going to be the best you you can be. You're going to put Christ first. 
what needs to be repositioned or organized, you're going to do it. What needs to be removed, you're going to do it. You're going to get good at pursuing God. And you're going to become a Holy Spirit junkie. You're going to become so addicted to the presence of God. Everything else becomes subordinate to who He is in your life and what He's called you to do. But it comes from a conscious decision to make room. Everybody say, make room. Let me give one last idea, then we're going to pray and we're going to close. Mary was visited by the angel, said, you're going to have a baby. Joseph was trying to figure out how he could break off the engagement without embarrassing or having Mary killed because everybody, including him, was going to assume that she had been unfaithful. Then the Bible says that an angel came to Joseph in a dream and made it clear to him that it was in fact God. Mary was carrying the Son of God and that he was going to be tasked with the opportunity of raising God's only Son. The Scripture says that Mary delivered Jesus in a town called Bethlehem, the city of David, which is uh, a fulfillment of several prophecies. But at the same time, the reason that they were in Bethlehem is because uh, Caesar Augustus had issued a decree that everyone was going to be taxed or uh, more aptly said uh, counted like a census. So you would come and you would, you would uh, uh, give your name, your family history, then they would tell you, they would count you and they would tell you what you owed and you had to pay your tax. So Joseph and Mary are in Bethlehem because they were to be uh, taxed according to Caesar Augustus. They went there and they got there right about the same time that she was uh, to have the baby and because they went to a hotel and the hotel was booked so they ended up having the baby in the barn. But here's the point I want to get to. Joseph knew that he was about to be the stepdaddy to the son of God. Mary, his wife, was about to have God's own son, yet he still did what he was expected to do in the natural. He took his wife, nine months pregnant, with Emmanuel, God with us, on a trip to go be taxed by Caesar Augustus in Bethlehem. Let me just paint a different picture for you. If God visited you in a dream today and told you I am about to give you gold bricks they will have inscribed on them to answer to every problem the cure for cancer the cure for AIDS every problem I will have the answer to everything let me just ask you this if you receive that kind of a calling and a message from God would you show up to work Monday morning or would you say no I'm called to this I don't have to do this Matthew 23, 23 says, This you should do and not leave the other undone. Joseph and Mary, with the Son of God, still go to be taxed. Let me just tell you how it would go in my life. 
If I'm the 20-year-old young man, when I was engaged, now I'm a little bit more mature, maybe I wouldn't do this. But when I was 20 years old and engaged that, engaged that hot thing sitting on the front row right there, let me tell you what I would have done. They would have told me, and, 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 and God said, hey, uh, Crystal's uh, going to have uh, the only son of God. He's going to be Emmanuel, and everything's going to be wonderful, and I want you to raise him too. And like the next day, uh, our taxes were due. It was April 15th. The next day, our taxes were due. Let me tell you what I'd have done. I would have written a letter that said, guess what? Y'all are all going to pay me taxes now because my son is the king of kings. Hashtag blessed. And I would have given all Christians a bad name. Because instead of having done all to do, I would have just sat on my laurels and said, No, I don't have to make room because God's going to do. I am astonished that Joseph took his wife to Bethlehem because he had some responsibilities yet he still saw the will of God come to pass in his life in 2017 we're not just going to get phenomenal spiritually we're going to do that we're going to pursue God but we're also going to Matthew 23 23 we're not going to leave those other things undone we're going to do everything as unto the Lord. And then when you see those things begin to come together, you have the plan of God, you have the will of God, and you have the purpose of God all intermingled in your life. And then you've got you who's pursuing God, who's going to do everything in your power to see His plan come to pass. You're not going to be intimidated if it's inconvenient. You're not going to get to the place in time where you uh, miss an opportunity based off of... How how convenient something might be or may not be. You're not going to get discouraged when it starts off really, really small. You're not going to get discouraged when only one or two people uh, want to listen to you. You're not going to get discouraged whenever you call that cousin or that friend or that son or that daughter and they don't want to talk about the Lord. You're not going to get discouraged because you're going to sit there and you're going to say, you know what, it might start small, but even Jesus showed up as just a little baby and you're going to say, I'm not going to get discouraged in this small beginning. And then you're going to say, I believe God can do what is impossible possible I believe God can do what only he can do and then time after time day after day moment after moment minute by minute you're going to make room for God in your life and before the year is over you won't even sound the same give God a hand of praise stand to your feet